Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Seeing All, where we break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. We got Deadpool 3 first set photos, Mission Impossible 7 review, Insidious 5 box office, Ahsoka, Blue Beetle, Wonka trailer, Secret Invasion, and Episode 4 review, Superman casting. We got so, so much to break down and I want us just start us off here with some Deadpool 3 set photos. So let me go ahead and turn those on. It looks so good. I just need a little background on the Deadpool films. Deadpool, the first Deadpool, I think is actually a very, very bad film. And Deadpool 2 is one that I love. It has Domino. It has Cable. They're just really great characters. I'll explain on in a minute. But there's been a lot, a lot of set leaks for this third Deadpool film. And it's starting to get where I don't want to see anymore. But these comes from the people working on it themselves. Because you know this was going to leak either way. And I'm glad they put it out, got it in front of that. But this has now become my most anticipated film at the moment for the next few years. Avatar 3 is in 2025, so I don't count that right now. There hasn't been any like set photos from it or anything like that, but that's still my favorite. I'm just so sad. It's so far away, but at least I know it's coming. It better be coming. They better not push it back again, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Deadpool 3. Uh, about a week ago, we heard that Jennifer Garner is back as Elektra. That news really excited me. I love Jennifer Garner. Hopefully, that means Ben Affleck too. We just keep hearing that more and more Fox Marvel characters are showing up, and we have two Fox Marvel characters as a main People as our show. I never thought Wolverine was going to come back, and he came back. And we finally got some set photos. As I said they released the people working on this release themselves, and we got to see what the two main character suits will look like. Deadpool looks pretty much the same, if not a little brighter for this film. He it honestly looks like they brought up the red, which I think was a good choice. I think it was a good choice. Um, but he's not the standout here. He's not the standout here. Wolverine is the standout here. It's where the news is at. He has the comic accurate, the comics accurate outfit for the first time ever. He mostly wore black leather in all of his past films and i don't think that was the best look for him i i mean i never was too fond of any next men x-men outfits besides maybe magneto because this is the only one that stood out the rest of them just kind of wore the same stuff and it, there's nothing to particularly note about this but there is something note about this he looks amazing along with that hairstyle we saw him set with the claws it just looks so good and i'm so glad they finally got motivated enough to make him look that great uh the past movies as i said he's worn that black leather but hopefully, he also didn't have a mask in those past movies. They don't. We don't see any masks in these set photos. But hopefully, this means he has the gorgeous mask. And if he doesn't, that'd be a huge missed opportunity. But supposedly, there's gonna be multiple versions of Deadpool and Wolverine in this film. So I think we we'll, at least one of those will have the comic accurate mask, or at least they better. If not, I'm gonna be very disappointed. But I think I don't think they'll let us down on that. We also saw the two characters fighting, but I think that'll be a momentary scene. But the, what the big news was. Besides their costume is what they were set they were fighting on, and that is they ruined 20th Century Fox logo. I laughed so hard when I first saw this. This was just amazing. It was so funny. <laughs> I just can't believe they're doing this. What is going on in this film? Are they going to do Deadpool kills the Fox Marvel Universe in live action? I mean, the comics is he kills the Marvel Universe. Maybe they're doing the Fox Marvel Universe in this. But there was a theory going around that I really liked. I had to jump on this train that a bad version of Deadpool or maybe our Deadpool, one of the versions of Deadpool, thinks he is being kept out of the MCU because the other Fox Marvel characters. So he's going to go to kill them to get in the MCU. And our Deadpool either teams up with Wolverine to stop him or fights Wolverine or Wolverine tries to stop him. That sounds so funny and perfect for Deadpool him. Like that is just like Deadpool right there. And this set picture kind of leans into that. I just, oh my gosh, I'm actually very, very excited for this film. This is just a theory, but whatever they're cooking looks so unique and perfect for a Deadpool film. I said, said at the beginning of this, I really don't like that first Deadpool movie. I don't like how they told it out of order. The characters really didn't work for me other than Deadpool himself. And I didn't think the jokes were very good. But the second film, I thought they got the jokes down right. And they got the, I like the director better too, Chad Stahelski, I think. No, not Chad Stahelski, Sean. I don't remember his name, but he's guy directed Bullet Train, and he's not coming back for this one. But 
I really liked his direction he took there with Cable and Domino. Sad those characters aren't returning for this, but it seems pretty full. But I really, really love what they did in Deadpool 2. And I don't think they're... Hopefully they can live up to that and not have a repeat of Deadpool 1, which I still don't like, which a lot of people love. But I don't like myself. I don't really particularly like myself. Uh, the director of this is actually Sean Levy, who did, who's done Stranger Things episodes. And he teamed up with Ryan Reynolds for... Uh, was it Free Guy? But he also made the Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds, and I didn't think the I thought the Adam Project was actually pretty bad. I just didn't relate to any of the characters film. But I love Free Guy, and I love Stranger Things. So if he can deliver on the at the same quality level as those two things, then I think we will be smooth sailing. And I I think he will. I think he won't let Ryan Reynolds down. And his probably his Ryan Reynolds' biggest film of all time at this point. Uh, I can't wait to say goodbye to all the Marvel characters, which we surely would do. But I'm most excited. Rumor is, rumor is, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but rumor is Ian McKellen's going to come back in this as Magneto. He is the best part of all those Fox X-Men films, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see him get say goodbye. And then we also probably got Halle Berry, Holly, Halle Berry, right? I keep confusing Halle Bailey and Halle, Halle Berry with one another, but it's Halle Berry who plays Storm. I would love to see her in, that, in this comics white suit from the animated series and stuff. That would be great. And I do want to see Jennifer Lawrence back as Mystique, but I don't think they'll want her back, nor she will. She was kind of a bad spot on the franchise she didn't like her time working in it and they, none of the fans really did but i love jennifer lawrence and i love her as mystique so hopefully she comes back i love talking about love for the mcu for once after i kind of well i love regarding the oxymoron 3 but i've since i started this podcast I just, it's just me bashing on Ant-Man and the lost quantumania and secret invasion which we'll talk about in a little bit but i love to be talking about the hype i have for this mcu right now and i really 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 hope they deliver this film and i think they will i think they will Next up, I want to give my quick Mission Impossible 7 review for all you podcast listeners out there. And that in tune, I'm just going to be quick. My full review is actually up on there and on the YouTube channel, but I was part of, included with part of seeing it all. And that starts with that I say it is a thrilling movie that is the best of the franchise. It's still not my favorite of the year, like some are saying, but a great film nonetheless. I went to an early screening. I drove an hour for the screening to go see it on Monday. I found out there was one on Sunday, and I missed it. I'm very upset. I didn't go see it on Sunday because I wasn't doing anything on Sunday. But I went and saw it Monday right after work. I got home, edited, threw up that review together. But I'll just give my short, concise review here. I didn't like the trailers and previously played in front of me, but that doesn't really matter. That was more on the review itself. But it was a thrilling movie that I didn't know what happened next. I thought they were going to... I mean, they do kill off a lot of people, and I really I really thought almost everybody could buy it except for Tom Cruise himself. I'm like, oh, they're going to... As long as Luther lives, I'm going to be okay. But I I didn't – not say nothing. But I wasn't expecting them for them to go as far as they did in this. And I got to respect it. Um, Tom Cruise – it's Tom Cruise. He's just doing stunts galore, and he's just doing the same exact thing. He kind he plays the exact same thing every single time, except he doesn't have the long hair this time like in Mission Impossible 2. That was amazing. He should bring it back because it was so funny. <laughs> but he's doing his crazy stunts. There's nothing too notable about him, but other than he's going to save, he's going to, I will save everyone. And I mean, he tries to. The MVP of this movie, though, is Haley Atwell. She is just outstanding in all of her action scenes. She holds her own against Tom Cruise and all these, all the mainstays of this franchise. She's just, I'm so happy for her that she has, gets to have a movie like this where she's the, the second main character. Oh, she just did awesome. And she kind of is like what, P.B. Bridges' character in Indiana Jones was supposed to be. Her name's Grayson here. And it kind of feels like she's very similar to that character. Lots of similarities to Indiana Jones and Fast X in this, by the way. Those three movies are all somewhat similar in, like, a creepy way. Like, she studios were cheating on, on each other's scripts or filming in the same exact locations at some points. But Hitley Atwell did great. Vic Rames is Luther. Always great. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> 
Luther is Vic Rames. He was awesome. He's always awesome. He's still he's my favorite character in all these movies. He's just so great. He delivers the same exact thing as every time. He gives some great words to Ethan, and then he pieces out. He's amazing. I love him. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, she doesn't do as much in here as I thought she would. I kind of wish we got to see more of her. She wasn't in a ton of trailers, so I kind of wasn't expecting it. But also at the same time, Rebecca Ferguson was such a fine for this franchise with Rogue Nation. And she just didn't do a ton here. And I kind of wish they had more for her along with Haley Atwell. Um, and then the actor from the first Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible, he runs the CIA now. I'm not sure exactly what his name is. But he was awesome. He had some really, really amazing monologues in here, which I was not expecting. And he did a fantastic job. And then you have the the main standout action scenes, the Abu Dhabi scene. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce that city. But they went were in an airport, and it was kind of just a standard chase. But the two, the two scenes that really, really stood out action-wise were the Rome scene, where they had a whole chase scene for about 20 minutes. And then the train scene at the end was just amazing. And there were so many times that all theater was like... <gasps> all catching our breath at the same time and it really really was a sight to behold it was just so amazing and the villain of the film the overall villain i really liked ai is the villain such a great idea such a great idea and they're they definitely saved a lot for the part two of this but they did a lot to conclude this film part one is the most between fast x across the spider-verse and now this this is the only part film part one film that i would say is actually conclusive the other two which i really do love both of them Across the Spider-Verse especially, but it doesn't really conclude the story we're telling. This kind of concludes the story we're telling, but also sets up the future. So this is the most standalone film of the part one films we've seen this year. And of course, he has to go rogue. But as for the weak points of this film, I have to say the, the human villains, Gabriel and Palm Clementif. Gabriel, they, the Mission Impossible franchise never has the best villains. The only good one I'd say was Philip Seymour Hoffman's Mission Impossible 3. He was great, but Gabriel kind of sucked. I want him to die, which is what a villain should do, but he just, nothing's doubt to me. And I was really looking forward to Palm Clementif's character, who plays kind of a mime assassin, but they never really do anything with that. It's just her crazy laughing, and we never really get any reason to what she's doing, no standout scenes with her. But hopefully they save more for the future, but I don't know. I just was really looking forward to Palm Clementif in another role outside the MCU. And she's, they used her to sell a lot of this movie, and I just think she she just let me down. I didn't see much of her. Not her as an actress, but they just didn't give her enough to do. I really... They could have given her a lot more. I think she could have been the main villain, and Gabriel didn't need to be there, honestly. You could have AI bigger focus, make Palm Clementine's character a little bit bigger as his kind of his underling, but not Gabriel because Gabriel sucked. <laughs> and then you have the, there's some cringy dialogue. There's almost fast X levels of cringy dialogue at points. And it was bad. They were talking about a party one scene, and I was like, this is this is not good. Some of the choices also the film made didn't quite sit well with me. I can't explain to the spoilers, but they mostly had to do with Gabriel. But after watching six Mission Impossible films in a row, my brain was kind of melded. This one on Fallout stand out to me most, but this I feel is much more thrilling than that one. But I also have some give some trepidation to that statement because I only I've only have, this is my first Mission Impossible film I've seen in theaters that I have conscious memory of. I might have seen a past one, but I don't remember seeing it. But this is the only film I've seen Mission Impossible in the theaters, so that kind of gives edge to it. But as I said in my short review that the popcorn bucket is turned up and you get that large popcorn, get that large popcorn. This movie will thrill you with its action scenes while having a very well-structured story surrounding it. Not a fantastic story, but it's a well-structured story that it gets you through to each action scene. And you you like these characters enough where you'll follow along. You will have fun. And that's what Tom Cruise wants. So right now it has a 97% Rotten Tomatoes and it just made 7 million for its Tuesday night previews, which don't include the previews on Monday and Sunday. So that is a very healthy number. Fallout, Mission Impossible Fallout back in 2018 had 6 million on Thursday previews, and that went on to open with 61 million over the traditional three-day week. 
This is looking at 85 to 95 million the five-day opening, so that's Tuesday through Sunday. And it may touch 100 million over the five-day if it has good legs like it should, and it could come in at 160 million worldwide worldwide for a $250 million debut, which would be the biggest Tom Cruise's career. This would be the biggest opening from the franchise and possibly the biggest performer of the franchise, but that would depend on word of mouth. These films leg out, but who knows? You never know how audience will react to the film at this point, but with the critics' reviews and the reaction my audience gave to it, my audience loved it. They were cheering when the film in. Everybody was sitting on the edge of the seat. No one took their phone out, which to my surprise was like, wow, maybe I need to go see more IMAX movies because this and seeing the Flash in IMAX, I had to drive a while to get to those. But nobody's ever took out their phones, which I thought was just very, very nice and very, very respectable. And I wish I could see them more often. I could see this film getting past the worldwide total admission possible fallout. That was $781 million. I could probably see this in the $800 million range. I don't see it any getting anywhere near to Top Gun Maverick, though, at $1.5 billion. But they need this to happen again. They want this to be Top Gun Maverick repeat of last year. But the budget of this was $290 million. That was because of COVID protocols and stuff like that and having to delay the film multiple times. But they need it to make a lot of money. And hopefully Tom Cruise will get that. This will be a good start. If it can leg out, it will eventually make money for them. They they hopefully can get a sliver of that Top Gun Maverick success from last year. Now I want to talk about the box office from last week, sticking with the box office news. And first that starts off with Insidious Red Door, which came in with a crazy crazy good number which i was not expecting at all from my reaction so as you know i i really did not like this film one bit and it came with a 33 million dollar opening weekend for i think a 63 million worldwide opening oh my god that is just incredible it had a 16 million dollar budget this film cost no money it was so cheap and you could totally see that i'm pretty sure they just paid rose Byrne and patrick wilson and that was it <laughs> but that's where all the budget went there was no budget to this film at all and there was no marketing. I don't understand this. I guess most came out from the existing fan base. The demographics did skew older, showing that it was mostly existing fan base. But I just, this boggles my brain. It's the second biggest for the franchise, just under Insidious 2 back in 2013, which did 40 million, which I think is a better film than this, but that's not saying much. This family, that family in that, in that film was also this film. That's the last time we saw the Patrick Stewart and Rose Burns family. So maybe that got people clearing back to it. Audience made me miss them because they brought the old cast back. Also helps that the film was PG-13, not R. More people could see it. I didn't know it was not R. I guess that kind of makes sense, but then I guess I don't recall them cursing or anything, but the guy at the movie theater tried to check my ID like I was not old enough to see an R-rated movie, but it wasn't R, though, so I don't understand that. So that kind of tricked me, but I do have to say, everybody everybody in Hollywood, look at Blumhouse Horror. Look how they budget their films. They Horror overall in general, they budget their films so well because people go out and see it no matter what. And they make so much money. Studios take a pay, take a bite out of their playbook. Just, I don't know what that expression was, but <laughs> take out a play out of their playbook. And see, Indiana Jones 5 did not need to be $300 million. Fast X did not need to be $340 million. No matter what, Mission Impossible 7 shouldn't have been $290 million. This is insane. The only person to allow those type of budgets is Mr. Mr. James Cameron, if I can accurately point to it. Right over there. Right over there. Mr. James Cameron, my idol. <laughs> but he's the only one allowed to spend over $300 million at this point. Hollywood, stop letting people do that. <laughs> Why can't other genres take a play out of horror strategy? I don't know. Hopefully they will learn. Also, this is a very good release date. No other horror movies out right now. And many thought this would be a dead zone after the 4th of July. But Insidious no longer makes that a dead zone. It's a very well-budgeted film that I did not like, but horror fans are turning out. Even if you don't need a ton, 
But making this film is huge profit for Sony, which hasn't had that be seen between besides across the Spider-Verse, they haven't really had a giant popular movie probably since Uncharted back in 2021 or 2022. I don't remember what year that was, but probably the most pop most uh profitable film since that, and maybe Spider-Man No Way Home. So yeah, good on you, Sony. Good on you. Now I want to talk about the box office for Indiana Jones and Dow Destiny in its second week, in which I said I thought was gonna hold well, and I thought it was gonna still be number one. But it lost number one in the second weekend, which is awful for a film that cost $300 million. You think it would stay atop the box of us a little bit longer. Although it didn't fall as hard as The Flash in the second week, weekend. Flash opened a little bit lower, and it fell 73%. This only fell 54%, which is pretty standard for a big blockbuster. But those usually open bigger. And I thought that since it had an older crowd, it would leg out better. So second weekend was only about $26, 27000000 I think. But it did. it kept most of its premium format screens. And it got a B-plus cinema score, which is not helping with word of mouth. Indiana Jones is just not the character he used to be. And it's going to have trouble with Mission Impossible 7 this week as it goes after the same demographic. The current global stands at $248 million at this point. This movie is going to lose so much money for Disney. It's just such a stupid decision that they would greenlight a film that costs $300 million. When paying your writers, studios, all total, would be like $450 million. Just lose one Indiana Jones. Lose one of those movies. Oh, my God. It's just, it's just such bad business. And I don't understand how these people... Are just running this. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand how Kathleen Kennedy is still there when she made a business decision like that. Although I'll be praising Kathleen Kennedy later, but making a business decision like that, you should have made it for hundred million bucks. That's what I would have said. Hundred million bucks. That's what you get. You don't need D.H. Harrison Ford. We can cut that scene out. They just. It's just. It's just mangles my brain how they did this film. And then the other box office news we have to talk about is Joyride, which opened last week, and it felt completely flat on its face. I knew audiences were not going to love this movie the way I, the critics did. It's just too raunchy for them and out there at points. Sadly, though, it opened with even lower than my lowest expectation. I thought it was going to come in eight, nine million. It opened at five point eight five million. It come, came even lower than industry projections. Those were at like seven million. It's similar to Easter Sunday's performance last year, which was another Asian-led comedy, which did in total thirteen million domestic. And Asian audience just didn't turn out like they did for Crazy Rich Asians. And Crazy Rich Asians, the demographics were thirty-eight percent Asian, while Joyride had twenty-six percent. So even their own audiences isn't going out to see it. It also had a B-minus cinema score, while No Hard Feelings, a similar comedy, similar style, had a B-plus cinema score, so people don't like it as much as No Hard Feelings. And No Hard Feelings has been laying out, so that started at $10 million more. It started with $10 million more, and looks to finish about $60 million. So I don't see I don't see a path, path to profit, profitability, even though this only costs $35 million. I don't see it making that much money. That's what Jennifer Lawrence star power can do for a film. There's no really big stars in this. The hope for the film is to lay out, but I don't see it. As I said, recouping that $35 million production budget, nor its advertising spend. I think comedies at this point need a big star to draw people in, at least show trust. None of these people are big-name actresses at this point. Even Stephanie Hsu, who just got an Oscar nomination last year. Maybe she won it. Maybe the things would have been different. But still, it's just it's it's sad for a film. It's sad to see a film fall flat in its face, and it did. And then now we're done talking about the box office news for past week. I want to talk about two films that are coming out the first week of August. The first one, that being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mutant Mayhem. Uh, box office tracking has come online online for the August fourth weekend, and Ninja Turtles opens on a Wednesday on Wednesday, August fifth. That looks to make twenty seven to thirty six million, and over over the three day, and a five day of thirty seven to forty nine million. The live action ones, at least the twenty fourteen one, opened to sixty five million, while its sequel in twenty sixteen opened to around thirty five million. So. It's not as good as this franchise once was, but those were also live action. So I think a lot more people go and see the live action. They say, oh, it's more adult. And this is definitely not, this definitely target George children. The budget is only 80 million. So it should lay out and make money for the studio. I think this is going to make a lot of money for Paramount. 
I think they were hoping for better, but Turtles are not the, as big of a franchise as they once were. I see the final opening of the like the final opening weekend probably come around 40 million. I think it's going to get good buzz, at least from early reactions we've heard from specific film festivals and stuff like that. I thought the trailer skewed way too young for my liking, but that may help with the overall box office. I mean, look at Mario. Mario was super young skewing, although it has that older fan base built in, which I think is what their hope is with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This isn't going to be a Mario level success, but I think they're trying to target that same demographic of those younger kids. There were some little kids when I went and saw Mario. So hopefully they can do the same thing. And then the other film opening that week is Make to the Trench, one that I am much more excited about because this trailer looks so funny. I can't wait. I actually really, really like the first Meg, and this just looks so on a whole nother level it looks like they they did make plus fast x let's combine it together and we get make two and that looks to open that opens on the friday and it looks to make 26 to 35 million over the three-day weekend which is not the best the first one opened to 45 million but wasn't expected to do that well so it came in as a huge surprise that it overperformed like that i think it was tracking probably at this range too i can see the same fortune playing out here if they really do some marketing blitz although warner brothers is strapped for cash they put it all into barbie marketing i guess because they've only dropped one trailer for this film but it also, it also doesn't have to do incredible stateside here. The movie, same as the first one, will make the bulk of its money in China as it's mostly funded by Chinese companies. And also it stars China's biggest movie star. I'm not sure his name. I don't remember, but he's like the second main character in this one. We co-stars along Jason Statham. So the Chinese demographic is supposedly going to eat this up. We'll see. The film is going to do fine worldwide, but stateside, I don't think it's going to be the hit its predecessor was. A lot of people, I think, are going to see this as a poor men's version of Fast and Furious. Or the prestige version of Sharknado. Either way, Fast and Furious isn't the best, and Sharknado hasn't made a film in four years. But this one was... I am actually looking forward to this. I'm going to go see... Oh, the, uh, Ninja Turtles comes out earlier, but this is the film I'm looking more so forward to in this weekend. So yeah, let me know down below. Do you like Make 2 better or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I think the Make 2 trailer was just so funny. I just, I just can't wait for it. I'm so excited. Now I want to talk about one of my favorite trailers I have seen in a long, long time, and that is the Ahsoka trailer. I can't stop watching it. The music really carried this, and it felt so dramatic, and like darkness was really coming in the universe, but I just want, I don't get it myself, but this is basically Star Wars Rebels Season 5, which I have started my rewatch on. I've made it almost through the first season of Star Wars Rebels, and it's better than I thought, better than I remember it being, but also I'm using a cheat sheet, so I've skipped about four or five episodes so far, and I think that's helped a lot, making me not hate these characters. I thought they were all just actually like children besides Hera. And Hera is the best character in that show. Specifically, Zeb, Sabine, and Ezra. And <laughs> Kanan's good, but he's kind of just gets into nagging them. Hera's just chilled back, and she is basically like there. She's a leader. They're going to fall onto her. Sabine and Zeb. Zeb's just annoying. And then Sabine kept talking about how Ezra's just a kid. And I'm like, girl, you are one year older than him. Stop talking. And I just, they're just not my favorite characters, but Hera is amazing. Sabine, I did not like, but those are the two main characters that are coming back for the show. We saw Zed pop up in Mandalorian. Ezra's off. That's what they're trying to find him here. And then Kanan's dead. So we got Hera and Sabine here and Chopper and Chopper, but Ahsoka and the Mandalorian. I love Ahsoka. She's probably my second favorite Star Wars character of all time behind Kylo Ren. I love Kylo Ren, and I love Ahsoka and Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, and now hopefully this. But she was great in her episode of Mandalorian. That episode of Mandalorian was one of my favorites of that entire show. But now onto the Ahsoka show itself. It'll come out August 23rd with a two-episode premiere. I love it when they do that, but then I get mad because then I have less weeks with the show. It's a love-hate thing when they drop two episodes once. It's momentary happiness, and then I regret it immediately. I'm like, oh, I don't get to spend as much time with this show. That's so sad. But thankfully, it will have eight episodes like Mandalorian. I wish it was 12 like Andor, but hey. At least it's not six. I'm looking at you, Secret Invasion, which we'll talk about in a bit. And most of the Marvel shows are six, which is just absolutely ridiculous. It should be minimum eight. Minimum eight. If it's not eight, 
make it a movie, please. I'm so excited for this show. I'm so mad it didn't come out of the summer because now I have to wake up at 2 a.m. on Wednesdays to watch it. Disney Plus, change the time you drop your shows. I'm telling, I'm imploring you again. But it looks like they spent a lot of money on the show. This is where Secret Invasion's budget I went, I guess. Ahsoka looks awesome. I love Rosario Dawson in this role. I do miss her spunky attitude from the shows, from the show like Clone Wars and Rebels. But I hope the show will explain where it went. Because Rosario Dawson, she acts very spunky in real life, at least from the posts and social media I've seen. So I think she could do the spunk a bit, but they're not, they chose not to go that direction. I'm curious why Dave Filoni did that, because this is like his baby character. Um, the Jedi action, lightsabers galore. I am so happy we're getting so many lightsaber actions. I love it. I love it. I love it. All the villains have them. Ahsoka has two of them, and Sabine has a green one now. Oh, it's just, yes. I love it. Hope I was hoping Obi-Wan Kenobi, which just got nominated for Best Level Series. I don't know how I did that. But I was hoping that would have a lot of Jedi action, but that had two lightsaber fights, and that was it. And I was like, well, really let me down the lightsaber action. Well, we're going to get it here. We're going to get it here. I also love the revelation that Ahsoka was Sabine's master for a little while. I love that development in their relationship. Hopefully it means Sabine is actually grown up now and actual good character. <laughs> she had some cool Mandalorian stuff in the show, but hopefully they can make her look good in this make her look good in this. I hope Sabine can become one of my favorites like Hera and Ahsoka are. The other main lady, like the three protagonists in the show are Hera, Sabine, and Ahsoka, which are all women, which I think is so cool. And most people haven't even noticed that, which is great. Like it's supposed to be in the background. Dave Filoni knows how to make great female characters and he's just awesome at his job. Hera is my favorite character from Rebels, as you know, and she looks awesome here. I love the line she says though, where she says, I spent my entire life fighting a war and something about I'm I and I'm just trying to prevent another just great i love it i love it mary elizabeth winstead is a great actress so i'm just happy to see her in live action she's just looking so good and then chopper too chopper showing up from it oh oh i just the serotonin that hit my brain when i watched this watched this trailers the villains which i think are inquisitors they said they're no jedi grave stevenson plays one of them when he rests in peace he just looks so great in the show uh they're looking for thrawn for a great power prow or something like that they look quite brutal in the scenes we've seen of them, and I can't wait for the lightsaber duels that they have with the spinny lightsabers. They just better not fly with them. That was so stupid when they took off and started to fly. But it just sucks Ray Stevenson wouldn't be here for his... This is probably the biggest thing he's been in, at least I think so. And then he also got that uh, Morgan Elsbeth from Mando Season 2 showed up there. She looks a little bit more crazy and less rich, less in power as she was in the last one. She looks good in her few scenes we saw her here. And then we have the main villain of the overarching Mandoverse, which is Thrawn himself, who is played by his animated voice actor. And he looks menacing, just like Thrawn should, with his red eyes and blue skin. And he looks also kind of like Elon Musk, as a lot of people pointed out. I don't think we're going to see much of him here, though. I think they're going to save most of him for the Mandalorian movie that they're doing. But this project overall, it's that I'm most excited for the rest of the year. Like movies and TV, everything, this is the project I'm most excited for the rest of this year. And I think Dave Filoni will deliver. These characters are his babies, so I don't think he could mess them up. Oh, and I'm going to download the soundtrack the day it releases because if it's as good as this trailer music. This trailer music was so good. The serotonin hit my brain as soon as I watched this. I just can't stop watching this trailer, and I'm just very excited. And I'm so happy, and I'm so excited for this show. I believe in you, Dave Filoni. I believe in you, Ahsoka. I'm so, I'm so excited. And now I want to talk about two trailers that I did not like. And starting with that is the Wonka trailer. And they released all three of the trailers I'm about to talk about on the same day, almost at the same time too. It was just absolutely ridiculous. I think they're trying to get out of the impending actor strike. If that happens, that happens. I'm recording this a little bit early, but it was weird to all of them. It's like, you could have dropped it on Monday. You could have done something. It was just ridiculous that they all dropped at the same time on the same day. I'm like, you're, you're cannibalizing each other here. You cannibalize each other. But the first one I'm talking about is Wonka. 
I didn't like this trailer at all. I think Timothy Chalamet is miscast because he did not come across as come across as Willy Wonka. I saw a fan casting of Jeremy Allen White as Willy Wonka, and I like that idea so much better. I mean, he's he's supposed to be playing the peppy version of Willy Wonka before he gets old and jaded, like in the movie. But I just don't see Timothy Chalamet in that at this point, or at least not performance he's given here. I know he has a musical theater background from high school, but it just he just isn't doing it for me in this film, and he's kind of the they're trying to put this movie on his shoulders, and I don't think he's he's holding it up. He's holding up Dune very well, but he's just not doing the best here, I don't think. The story, I just I just don't think Willy Wonka is the type of character you need to tell an origin of. I'm honestly not a huge fan of either of the two adaptations. I mean, I haven't seen them in a good bit, but they were never my favorites. They were always just, does someone get high in the 70s and write this? It's basically, well, I guess they adapted for Rodal, who wrote it much earlier than that, but I was like, did they get high? Did Road Dog get high writing this? And then did someone get high writing off of Road Dog's work? That's what it felt like. It's just a very weird movie, and I I never liked it that much to begin with. And I don't think Willy Wonka is the type of character I need a total background on. So, ah. but I do love that Olivia Coleman's in this. The visuals also look bland to me. Other than that balloon scene of them flying over London, that looked pretty good. But other than, the villains just look bland. I don't know a ton of the story, but we do. What I do know about the chocolate opening a chocolate store and kind of compete with a chocolate cartel just it just doesn't look interesting to me at all but it's the director of paddington so that might be that's a good film so hopefully this could be i'm surprised they didn't play up the musical aspect of this at all which i think could be a big selling point of it but they didn't touch it at all and i also have to address that warner brothers is releasing three movies in the span of 10 days in christmas they're releasing wonka on december 15th i think christmas day they're releasing color purple and aquaman 2 which is I don't know why they're releasing all these three films back to back to back. And they're also releasing Meg 2 August like 7th and then releasing Blue Beetle a week later. I don't know who's... David Zaslav is a little bit... They might have dated these films before he got here, but he's not the best CEO. And this is just some crazy moves once again. I don't think this film is going to do well. The one thing I love about this trailer though and the movie is Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa. That piqued my interest. That piqued my interest. The only part that I actually like in the trailer. And I want more inventive ideas like that. He was so fun. I laughed so hard. There was only part I actually laughed at. He was. It was so funny. This seems very greatest showman like to me, and the vibes that it's giving me. As I said, it, it just looks very greatest showman like. I love the songs in it. I love the songs in that movie. The movie is fine though. But if maybe Wonka can have really really great songs like that, I don't think it has the same songwriters. But it's giving me very much greatest showman vibes. I really don't have high hopes for this film at all. Oh, the trailer. I rank these trailers and talking about them, how I like them to least liking them. And Blue Beetle is the one that I like the least. Uh, the DC drama, it's just, there's just so much DC drama late. Flash fell on its face. Black Adam fell on its face. Shazam 2 fell on its face. Everything in DC is falling on its face at this point. And I don't think Blue Beetle is going to be any, any different. They've also done no marketing for besides the first trailer because they've run out of money. They don't want to dump any more movie after the Flash completely bombed they're not going to dump any more cash in these films they don't want to lose it but there was fans started to market it themselves there was something called hashtag blue beetle battalion spreading around now they made a fake blue burger king burger it was just all so funny and then the next day they decided to post the final trailer it was just so perfectly timed and all the actors in the film are starting to use blue beetle battalion i'm like oh okay some someone's going on here maybe they can get a spark here but i don't i don't see that happening then the next, as I said, they posted the final trailer for their film. The only other marketing they've done after its initial trailer. So we got initial trailer, final trailer. That's it so far. The trailer, the trailer sucked though. Not gonna lie, not gonna lie. I thought this trailer sucked. It just seems like a stereotypical origin story, one we've seen a million times before about a hero finding powers and learning to live with them. I don't want them, and then he learns to live with them and save people. It looks exactly the same. There's nothing crazy new. I haven't seen 
anywhere else. The action, it looks bland. He says that one kick he does when he kicks the guy in the wall. That I liked. But other than that, the action just looks bland. We saw the scene where he crashes through a bus when he's like, oh, what's happening? I don't know what's happening. I'm like, I've seen this film. I've seen this countless times. Learning the powers. Finding a villain that's the complete opposite of you. I'm like, oh, I just let me just go watch Iron Man. I'll have that. That's good for my origin story. I don't want to see any more. Just jump right into this point. I'm so glad James Gunn isn't doing an origin story for Superman. I'm, and we're, we've moved on past that. The family stuff, which was probably the highlight of this trailer, is still stuff I've seen before. But I did like the grandma gun thing when she took that gun and started shooting them. It was a little cheesy, but it was kind of insane where I loved it. <laughs> like Mission Impossible 2 Insane. That's my reference now. Mission Impossible 2 Insane is the grandma. But it's just I've seen it all before. Then you have the government is after the scarab, which is stuff we've seen before. I just feel like I'm going to keep repeating myself. It's stuff we've seen before, and I'm just I'm tired of it. The government, I'm just not excited for this film at all. The future DC, which we'll talk about in a second here. I still don't know how this was saved and not Batgirl, and they saved the Flash. But not this. I just how bad was Batgirl for them to shelve it when they shouldn't even shelved it? You could have just dunked on HBO Max. You could have just dunked it on there. I just it just looks so formulaic and not good. I'm really not looking forward to see it. August just doesn't look like the best month of movies for me. Besides Meg 2, I'm not excited about Teenage Mutant Initials. I'm not excited about this. I'm definitely not excited about Gran Turismo. It looks very stereotypical. And then you have the new Nicolas Cage trailer drop. That looks so bad too. Just August is not looking good for me. And after July looks amazing. August is just Oh, it's just, I don't think this movie's going to be good. I think it's going to be another box office bomb for DC. We'll see. We'll see. And now, sticking with the DC news, I want to talk about some Superman casting that we got. So we have started to round out the supporting cast members of Superman Legacy. And honestly, I'm not at all that impressed. We'll go through each cast announcement, but it just seems like James, James Gunn is doing his shtick all over again with Superman. It seems like Peacemaker, but the entire DC universe at this point. It's It feels like Guardians of the Galaxy. It feels like Suicide Squad. I just don't like it. I feel like Gunn is just casting his friends and roles again, casting his friends and not people that are best suited for the job and not something the audience really wants. And that leads me to talk about the first role that was that I want to talk about, the first role that we kind of came out that I saw. And that is Nathan Fillion has been cast as Guy Gardner, who is in most – He's James, Nathan Fillion is in most of James Gunn films, and he's casting him probably the biggest supporting player of the film, a Green Lantern, specifically Guy Gardner. I love the inclusion of Guy Gardner. I just don't love – Nathan Fillion in this role, he's kind of felt like Nathan Fillion had his shot there where he was in a ton of stuff and the audience didn't really fall in love with him. And he, I think the audience loves him on Rookie, but I don't think he's a huge movie star and I don't really like him that much in any of the stuff I've seen him in. It just it just feels like more the same from James Gunn. I, I don't want the whole DC universe to be this and I don't think the audience wants, it, wants that either, but they are giving him the bowl cut. So hopefully we'll see get some cool Green Lantern action. There's also, they're going to make that Green Lantern show that will focus on Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan. I just, I really don't like this Nathan Fillion casting. I think they could have done something brand new, and I think they could have found a movie star in one of these supporting roles because they kind of need a, none of them. Superman and Lois aren't movie stars. So you need some some big draw for the people besides the Superman name, which has been tainted by the DC films. It's just, this is not coming together well. But the one cast member I did like is Isabella, Isabella Merced as Hot Girl. I love that we're doing the character Hot Girl, and I love Isabella Merced as an actress, and she was. She was looking for a big breakout role. She was great in that Transformers 5. She, even that movie sucked. She was great in Transformers 5. She was good in Dora. And I think I first saw her when she did some Nickelodeon shows. That's when I first remember her from. And she was great in those. I think she did the, the middle school movie. Something like, it was something called that. But I love that she's got her big break here. And I think this is honestly like a great find for James Gunn. And the casting that I can get behind. It's the casting I get behind. The one casting and character inclusion that I loved is her. There's there, there's other two two other actors that I'm not really familiar with. One is that man right there, and that his name is Eddie Gathigi. I'm pretty sure if, how you pronounce it. He's playing Mr. Terrific. 
He also played, He you might know him from X-Men First Class where he played the guy who couldn't be killed and then he was killed instantly. <laughs> he did not last long in that film. <laughs> and uh, I just, I'm not familiar with him and I don't think Mr. Terrific as a character, I don't really know too terribly much is one that we want to start off our universe with. I feel like that's later down the line. Let's start off with the characters that audiences are more familiar with. Not this. And I don't love that actor either from the stuff I've seen him. I and mean, he hasn't done stuff in a long time, at least what I know. And the other actor is, let's see if I pronounce this right, Anthony Kerrigan, as he's going to play Metamorpho, Metamorpho, who is a hero I have never, or villain or something, or hero, I don't even know, is someone who I've never, ever, ever heard of. I haven't watched Barry, which is where he's, as you see in that picture, and he just got an Emmy nomination for that, so at least he's a good actor, but I I just wanted this casting and characters' choices to wow me. I think you had to go all out for this first one. Go all out with your casting. Do a few unknowns, like Isabella Merced, who I think is great, but there's just no big draw between there's Rachel Brosnahan, there's David Corn's weapon. None of these people are huge draws, and you need a big draw. And it's just this feels like all the like all the choices Gunn wants personally, and not what's gonna be best for the whole universe. I just want this to work out so we don't have to talk about all the DC drama again. I still think not doing a hard reboot is so stupid. Blue Beetle, Suicide Squad, and Peacemaker, apparently their characters are existing around, but maybe not the movies themselves. He just keeps changing it. Just, just do a hard reboot. Let's start over. I hate playing fast and loose with our canon. Can we just start over? It causes audience confusion. It causes me confusion. And I like to have a good starting point and a good end point. Can we just, can we just end the DCEU as we know it with Aquaman 2 and just cut it off? Let's cut it off. I don't want anybody coming back. I don't want Amanda Waller coming back. I don't want John Cena coming back. Can we just start over, please? I don't want Blue Beetle guy coming back. I don't care. The news at ECU is starting to sound more and more like the old DC. And I, we might be in the same boat 10, 10 years from now with another giant DC film flopping. Who knows? It may not even make it to them at the rate we're going. I hope for the best, but I really don't like how this future of DC is coming together at all. And then lastly, I want to talk about some Secret Invasion Episode 4. And before I get into spoilers, I just want to say I didn't like this episode. You can tune out now. I, as I said, spoilers, spoilers, ensue now. But this was a short episode. The first, as I talked about last week, they do the first two episodes an hour long to trick people. They just do it to trick the press, I think, to make it sound prestige. But the fourth episode is 33 minutes without credits. And that includes the previously on section. So it's probably like 31 minutes. What? You're doing a 31 minute episode in a six episode series? That is a ridiculous. You make this a movie. You don't make this a show. I don't. It's just, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. And we see Emilia, Emilia Clark is still alive, which was a total fake-out. Jean, something we'll talk about in a minute, but she's a super scroll now. That's all we got, really, from her character there, besides her talking to Talos. That's all we got from her. Eh, I don't really care anymore. She came alive. She came back alive for one more scene. Maybe a few more in the future episodes. I'm so done with the show. I'm done with it. Uh, we see Nick Fury and his wife's conversation. I love they did. I did like that part where they were about to shoot each other and they shot the wall. So they were back as best friends. They were back as best friends. I love their poem. That was really cool. I love them quoting that back and forth to each other. That was really cute. Nothing really special though. Rhodey is totally a scroll, and I'm ready for him to be taken down. But I wish we had more time to digest his motive, digest his motives and character because we know he's a scroll. Now can we lean into like where Rhodey went and stuff? Are we gonna say that to the last episode of the series like we do every time where we wait to the last episode and we rush everything all in? And then Talos' plan, where he's talking to his daughter about where the scrolls to go, was just so stupid. They will just give us the land. The president, oh, you know when they saved the world, they're just going to give it to us. No, that's not how it works. Although you can have Wyoming. I don't think anybody cares about Wyoming. You can have Wyoming. It's just, it's just so stupid. No, you can negotiate with them before you ever do your end of the deal. I just, I, it's so, so, oh my God. This writing on the show is so bad. 
the biggest action scene so far throughout the series occurs, and that's a big car blow-up chasing and the fight out. Not a chasing. It's just a shootout, which isn't saying much. There wasn't really much. The scrolls go for the president. We finally see some super scrolls action, but it's not much. It's like one move. It's the group move. That's it. And the extremist powers. Very, very cheap. Very, very cheap. The shootout wasn't even filmed well. I do Where is the money going? I thought this was like $200 million show. You don't see it anywhere on screen. Nothing. I, I just don't understand. They killed off Talos. Are you kidding me? We won't see a fake death since they did that with Amelia Clark. So he's dead. He is dead dead at this point. That's the one good character about the show. And you kill him off and you don't even give him incredible stuff to do. You could have given him incredible ending. Yet we got this. I really hate the show now. They could have written a good death for the character. But we got this. They could have written a good show. But they're not. The show only has two episodes left. And I really don't like, like this episode. I loved episode two. Episode three I was mixed on. But episode one and four, I really hate I expect better. I'm just so disappointed Marvel for putting a show out of this quality. I just wanted this to be better, and it all starts with the writing. It should have been written better, and I... This is exactly why the writers on strike. <laughs> you need your writers to write good stuff, or we end up with stick like this. It's just... I'm just very disappointed. And I, I still got two episodes to go. I will be watching. I'm not giving up. I will watch everything MCU at this point. They've earned my faith in that, but I mean, they might start losing them. But I just love these characters so much, and I just hate to see them be tarnished like this. It's very, very upsetting. Now... For what's coming next week, we have the double feature that everyone's been waiting for, Barbenheimer. By the way, have you been seeing all the spam accounts for the Barbenheimer t-shirts? Just It's it's annoying, and I want to buy one, but also I don't want to buy now because all those spam shirts. But Oppenheimer is the first one I want to talk about. I still don't love the trailers for this film. The first reaction is called it the best Christopher Nolan film. Believe it when I see it. I don't really like the trailers. I don't really like the style of Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan is not my favorite filmmaker. I love Interstellar. Interstellar is one of my favorite films of all time. But other than that, not He's not particularly my favorite. He kind of is more cerebral than I like. He's kind of like, let's let's be smart to be smart. Like, overcomplicating, saying it's smart. I just, I don't love his style of filmmaking. And I'm not looking forward to three hours with Oppenheimer. I think we need to only let certain movies go below, above three hours. And I don't know about Oppenheimer. But I will be there opening night. I'll be in IMAX an hour away from my house seeing it. And the other film, the other film I'm much more excited for is Barbie, I'm actually, I'm such insane excitement for the show now. I love the trailers for this film. The first reactions were mixed to positive, which was honestly kind of what I was expecting. Uh, it's a it was a progressive film that they're hiding from the marketing campaign. So I think people are coming to realize that, oh, this is more progressive than I thought it would. And we'll see how a lot of people react to that. But yeah, I am going to see Barbie at 3 o'clock, then I'm going to run into Oppenheimer at 5, and I will be doing the Barbenheimer double feature. I'll be getting that Barbie popcorn bucket too. I will get it all. I am so excited to do the double feature tomorrow. It's going to be great. It's going to be so fun. I don't know if I'm going to wear pink. I might wear pink. I need to find something. I don't think I have anything in my closet that's pink. I might have to just buy something to go see Barbie with. But it's going to be great. I'm going to have such a fun time. But yeah, so next week we have Barbie and Oppenheimer. I'll give my review of both those and see it all tomorrow. So yeah. What did y'all think of Deadpool 3 set photos? What did y'all think of Mission Impossible 7? Are you still watching Secret Evasion? Did you drop off like I might? Make sure to let me know down in the comments section. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Follow me on Spotify. Follow me on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Make sure to follow me on our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. But thank y'all for watching, seeing all podcasts. Y'all have a good night now.